Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Beyond Trans, the Beyond Trans podcast. My name is Andre, and I'm your host today. Just so you know, our intention in this Beyond Trans podcast is to bring upliftment to the transgender and non-binary communities and to humanity itself. Our email, please email us any questions, comments, or any requests. Our email is beyondtrans at gmail.com without the E. So it's B-Y-O-N-D-T-R- a-N-S at gmail.com beyondtrans at gmail.com We welcome all of your comments. Welcome to Beyond Trans. So our topic today is social anxiety. Okay? Um, I have two guests with me and I'll introduce them in a moment. Um, it's Transgender Awareness Week and I'm at a Transgiving dinner and you know Social anxiety is something that we deal with, and I'll say in my experience that there are several friends that I have that, boy, are they really dealing with social anxiety. I mean, they won't leave their room for several days, or, um, you know, they'll say they're coming to something, and then all of a sudden, not only not show, but not communicate, and it's, you know because of of social anxiety so just really want to air out and bring to the to the table social anxiety uh, our experience with it and um, some maybe some tips and tools that will help to assist us so welcome so my first guest is Marley Marley would you like to say it you know also I want to say to our to our two guests that um, one thing that the listeners like to hear is your coming out story. So if you would just share a little bit about your coming out story, maybe a little bit about yourself, um, and then we'll go from there. So this is Marley. Uh, hello, my name's Marley. Um, pronouns are she, her. Uh, been trans myself um, for maybe five or so months, um, maybe six. Um, started, you know... My transition um, officially a couple months ago. Uh, I guess my coming out story started. I realized I was trans when I was around five years old. Um, I talked to my mother about it, perhaps, and she had talked to me about. Like, I actually had the opportunity to find out what transgender was, uh, but at that point it was like transsexual, and so I feel like I may have said that can't be me because it sounded taboo, even to me as a five-year-old. Um, I had that sort of internalized uh, transphobia at that point, and so I kind of shoved it away. Um, and so it was, it was quiet and dormant for a long time. It, it was sort of just like a thought that I thought everybody else had, um, like, you know, that I wanted to very much uh, be the other gender. And so... Um, it just uh, sat there for a long time. And then I, at one point, um, I was just, uh, I actually met a group of, of transgender people and found a community, um, an online community. And getting to know them and through getting to know their stories and just hearing them and seeing that their experiences were real and that they weren't, you know, um, 
deviants or, or that they were real people, good people, um, I realized that, you know, I, I had something in common with them and that uh, their experience was also mine. Um, and so I, I didn't really admit it um, right away and I was dealing like with a, a cishet relationship at that point in time that uh, is no longer, um, and I feel like that helped me back, but I feel like uh, moving moving beyond that part of my life, beyond the trying to shove it away and, and resolve it or fix it in some way, um, brought me here to where I, I can accept myself. Um, so that's my that coming out story, um, but yeah. And so how has it been for you, Marley, since you have begun coming out? How's the process been for you? How is your relationship with yourself? Uh, what is that like for you? I feel like my relationship with myself has um, maybe changed somewhat, but really I just feel like I'm being more me. I feel like I'm expressing myself the way that I've always wanted to. Um, I don't particularly think I would say that much has changed other than just being able to do, just having a new freedom. Um, but the process is, itself has been somewhat, um, I'm not exactly out at work yet. Um, I haven't found very much support um, in my, outside of my, the online community. Um, aside from uh, the transgender support groups, but um, at work and and um, my previously existing existent uh, relationships, um, they're not very supportive of uh, LGBT issues um, just from what I've experienced of them uh, throughout my daily life. But uh, I very much have found uh, this new community here in the local city, um, and especially have experienced the sense of of belonging um, during the tran this Transgender Awareness Week. There have been a couple events um, that I've participated in, and uh, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. You know, as you were sharing, I got the sense of the loss that you feel for those previous relationships, and you know, so you're really walking into the unknown, and yeah, I feel that, so my heart goes out to you. You have our support. Okay, our next guest is A. Go ahead, A, if you tell us a little bit about yourself, your coming out story, that sort of thing. Hi, everyone. I'm A. I use they, them pronouns. And um, my coming out story, well, I always kind of had this awareness that I was not my assigned gender at birth, but... When I was growing up, the only options to me were you're a girl or you're a boy. Like, even if you're trans, like I knew that trans people existed and they were never vilified to me, fortunately. But if you were trans, you were either born a male and turned into a female or trying to turn into a female or born a female and trying to turn into a male. At least that's what was taught to me. Obviously that terminology is way off and I know that now, but that was what I knew or thought that I knew growing up. So... It wasn't until I was about 15 that I really had the words to describe what I was feeling because I always just kind of thought that I was a tomboy or I wasn't like the other girls and I just 
preferred to hang out with guys and I preferred androgynous clothing, but I didn't know that your gender could actually not be binary. So when I finally learned that non-binary people existed, immediately that was a light bulb moment for me. I was immediately like, wow, that's me. I fit into this. And it was a moment of clarity for me. Fortunately, with my family, at least my immediate family, they're very accepting of me. They've always been accepting of me and allowed me to do whatever my little heart desired. So as soon as I told them, when I, when I told my mom, who was the first person I came out to, she said, number one, I love and accept you. Number two, I don't know what that is. So I, I've never carried that shame with me that so many other transgender people feel. And I, I feel very fortunate for that because it's just been confusion and anxiety for me, which aren't that great, but I think they're better than shame. And I've always been allowed to be comfortable in myself. So I went to a pretty conservative high school with a lot of rich people and a lot of straight cis people who later turned out to not be so straight and cis. <laughs> but all of the girls I was crushing on in high school ended up being gay or bi and they just didn't know it at the time or they weren't out at the, at the time. I feel like, dang it, I could have gone out with some of them. But when I got to college, I went to a liberal arts college that had a, a very um, leftist presence and a very strong LGBT community. So I was able to come out there and explore my identity. And that was a wonderful thing for me. And I've been using they, them pronouns for like four years now, which is fantastic. And the only people I have to lie to about it are my grandparents because otherwise I get written out of the will, which is hilarious to me. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so, social anxiety, healing social anxiety. Um, I feel like, you know, social anxiety is a thing right now, given our political and social climate. And so that and then being in the trans community, um, it seems to be more heightened. Um, I think it's a background energy that's adding to people's stress levels, the political, social climate. And so, you know, it's kind of like this thing that if we're not aware of it, that it can definitely bring an effect on how it is that we relate with one another, how we relate with other people, how we relate with ourselves. Um, and so healing social anxiety to me is, um, it's a big one. I, I know I've shared with some people on the prior podcast, they shared about how even if they were in a group, they would still feel alone. And even if it was a transgender support group, they would still feel alone. So that feeling of aloneness, if you feel alone, just know that you're not alone in feeling alone, okay? That that's, that can be a normal thing. Um, so that sense of isolation can, can attempt to run us sometimes, I'll say. Um, I do feel like part of it is, you know, with social media now, it's a, it's a lot easier to not physically attend events and um, simply text and say, hey, I can't make it or whatever. Um, 
And I feel like sometimes that is using us as human beings, as humanity, that when we do show up physically, there is something that we offer one another. And it can be really uncomfortable sitting with one another, not knowing each other, not knowing what to say, you know, feeling awkward, this, that, or the other. But yet if we don't do it, that continued sense of isolation will occur and not only that I feel it will grow stronger and it will n perhaps not allow us to see our similarities in the face of what looks like all of our differences so to me one of the first steps in overcoming social anxiety is acknowledging that background energy that the political social climate has trying to you know uh, that we can sometimes allow to hold us down and um, and social media. So, you know, the courage that it takes to show up, I invite the listeners to really consider that, to show up physically. I know it takes a lot. I know it takes a lot, and it's uncomfortable. And, um, you know, we might be wondering, well, why? What's the payoff? It's just a lot easier to stay home in my room and, you know, watch TV or, or you know, watch YouTube or whatever. Um, Granted, that does have its place for a sense of safety and learning and growing. And yet, when we're not interacting with others, we're losing out on the sense of sameness that we all share. And um, honestly, sharing our energy with other people. I feel like it can be a taking energy, a selfish energy, when we don't show up for other people. Um, and so that selfishness can really run us if we're not aware of it. So those are some of my thoughts on it. Any thoughts, Marley, on social anxiety and healing it? Um, I guess my view on social anxiety is that it's uh, sort of just like a, this sort of state of mind that's freezing almost. It's, it's crippling. Um, it's a uh, really terrible beast. Um, and it comes in many forms and in varieties. It's not necessarily just there or not there. It can be um, from just an inkling of an idea that you don't want to necessarily spend time with someone to the inability to leave your room, like uh, like he was saying, um, to just uh, being curled up in a ball, <laughs> which I've been at, at certain points in time. Um, but uh, for me, my personal ex experience and journey with anxiety has been um, more medical as opposed to um, mental, I guess, assuming you want to separate those things. Uh, it was more of a, of a medical imbalance. Um, so my journey has been finding um, the right treatment uh, to, to deal with that. Um, and for the longest time, I was... Um, Imagining that it wasn't uh, a medical thing, uh, that it was something that I needed to change about myself through actions, um, where I was just dealing with constant intrusive thoughts, um, which is another form of anxiety, um, sort of obsessive-compulsive issues. Um, and uh, eventually I, I did um, find the right treatment for it. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. You know, what what comes to mind when you're sharing that is about, you know, mental mental health and like not having a stigma around that anymore. Like 
allowing mental health to be what it is and, you know, that we don't have to have any shame around it. It is what it is and we can cope and manage and deal in the world um, just like everybody else. So I feel like mental health is really having a breakthrough this year as far as um, letting go of stigmas and... Um, all, all of the negativity that used to be placed around it. So, a lot of awareness coming in around there. Okay. A, anything you'd like to share around uh, overcoming social anxiety? <laughs> yeah, well, I think that the first thing that we have to remember when it comes to the stigma of mental health and trying to minimize that is that mental health is psychology, but psychology isn't just all in your head. It's all in your brain, which is a part of your body. So it's just as valid as any physical ailment. A majority of mental illnesses stem from a mix of neurological and hormonal issues, which are both physical things that your body is doing. That's why a lot of mental illnesses can be treated with medication. It's not necessarily the first option that you want to do. Obviously, it depends on the situation. Um, but I think just remembering that it's all in your head isn't a bad thing and doesn't separate it from the medical field is just something that we need to remember. And as for helping with social anxiety, I mean, social anxiety is a terrible, terrible thing. It honestly doesn't get better with time unless you work with a therapist or go on medication. You can't just get rid of it yourself because your brain is going in circles. If you go out and you're having an anxiety attack or having anxiety because you're around people, unless you leave the situation, which is probably not healthy when it comes to overcoming social anxiety, then that's not really going to help it. You have to acknowledge your brain is telling you the wrong thing. Because social anxiety isn't what's going on in your environment. It's what, what's going on in your brain. Chances are, when you go into that situation, no, everybody's not going to be judging you. They're all going to be worried about other people judging them. Social anxiety is just standard wanting of acceptance, but to a degree where it's harmful. And I guess that's the best take that I have on it. Thank you. That's really well said. Um, so as far as like going out in social situations... What are some things that have worked for us that we can offer the listeners that are like maybe some things we've tried for the first time and they've worked as far as, you know, helping to break through the, the shyness or the terror or the, um, that sort of thing. What comes to mind for me is, um, right away is having the courage to walk up to somebody and introduce myself and like just shake their hand and say hi and remember to smile, you know, cause I, for me that, that has really helped me. Um, also, um, not avoiding the uncomfortability of, of when it feels awkward you know, to allow the awkwardness, and then on the other side of that, something will come through as long as we're willing to be with it. So, you know, it takes courage to be with uncomfortability, and some, some of us don't want to deal at all with uncomfortability, so we just don't deal with it at all, and yet 
there is a rigor in it and the reward is is we get to be with people and learn about them and learn about ourselves so that's what comes to mind for me um what comes to mind for me I, I guess I'll talk about a little bit about what's helped me um becoming okay with being myself in the sense that becoming okay with being with myself um treating myself well and sort of if you want to put it one thing I've heard it called is taking myself out on dates basically going to restaurants alone going to movies alone things that you would normally do with another person just going out there to those places alone um and becoming just okay with myself um and through that I've sort of um become okay with myself in the company of others as well um in addition to uh just through age and through life experience um having a lot of things not go the way that I planned or and uh putting work in um in in different situations and realizing that uh it didn't come out the way that I had initially planned or uh basically worrying and putting all that energy into worrying um and and having no outcome from it i've i've uh been fortunate enough to distance myself from that worry um and to put less of an importance on on uh external ideas of 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 me or myself um and so i i basically to put it lightly i've i've started to care less um if at all uh just about maybe it's a, a bit nihilistic <laughs> but um care less about uh a lot of things um and that's allowed me to uh have the freedom to do a lot of things as well so the caring less about what other people think the caring a lot less about other things you know that's a real gold mine there so can you say a little bit more about like how you got there for yourself you know what i mean um like i said it, it's through lots of um putting in work lots and lots of work trying to really hard to make force people to like me being almost willing to like do favors for people just so that they would have a favorable opinion of me um trying to change the way that I am or act around a certain person um to to get them to um be to to improve my relationship with them just all, all the things you can imagine that um are related to um trying too hard um to change myself basically i i put all that work in and it it was fruitless um and i i had i don't know if there was a single moment but um i introspect the introspection to to realize that those actions um weren't weren't very helpful um and so i've started to care less about what are they think by realizing that really there's no way to change what they'll think of me i sometimes uh you just don't work well with people but the good thing about that is that sometimes you do work well with people um sometimes people do click and those are the people that uh it's really good to be around one thing that um andre was saying 
was about uh, being awkward, dealing with that awkward silence. Um, it was said to me once that like the people that you really know that you enjoy and have a relationship with are the people that you can be in that awkward silence with um, and, and be comfortable. Um, and so I think that like thinking of those things and trying to find those sorts of relationships um, have made me uh, are relationships that I can be more comfortable in um, where I, I don't have to worry about what they'll think of me because I, I know that uh, they'll um, be fruitful relationships. Well said. Thank you. So I walked into a situation where I was pretty socially anxious today. Uh, the situation that we are at right now. Um, coming to an event with a group of people you don't know or you don't know well can be an absolutely terrifying thing. But here's the thing that's going to happen. Because these people don't know you either. Either nobody's going to notice that you're anxious and you're going to miss out on what's going on. Or somebody's going to notice and care enough to come over and talk to you about it. In which case, it's kind of an ambush. Ambush. So, the best case scenario here is that you seize the power for yourself. Go up to someone, maybe tell them, Hey, I'm experiencing a lot of anxiety right now, but I'd like to get to know you. And humans, as a species, tend to be empathetic. Obviously, there are exceptions to the rule. But a majority of people do have some semblance of empathy. And if you tell someone, I'm experiencing a crap ton of anxiety right now, but I'd really like to talk to you, is that okay? They're going to do their best to help you be more comfortable, whether they're doing it consciously or not. So seizing that power and putting yourself in control of the situation and then asking for help which are both absolutely terrifying things to do, but they are the most helpful things that I can imagine doing in that situation. Thank you. Yeah, as one of my um, wonderful friends said to me once, are you really going to give a fuck what other people think? You know, it's like, you know, when are you going to be done, you know, with that? And so... Not like a judgmental thing, but just like, you know, how much, you know, as Marley was saying, how are we giving our power away to other people? And as A is saying, how much are we giving ourselves, our power away to events? So we're giving our, we were giving our power away to people, giving our power away to events, right? And so it's finding ways to bring it back to ourselves, to be comfortable with ourselves. You know, like Miley was saying, take ourselves out on dates, learn how to become comfortable with ourselves so that when we go into situations, we don't care so much what other people think because, you know what, we're comfortable with ourselves. We love and appreciate ourselves. So, you know, listeners, maybe you could consider, you know, if you, if you were going to go out on a date, where would you want to go? What would you want to do? Um, you know and do it for yourself that's the challenge <laughs> if you accept if uh, related to the taking yourself on dates thing another thing that I've noticed that has really helped me is if it's a standard situation like going to the movies or going out to eat somewhere if you go to that location first and you get a semblance of what's going to happen 
at that place, not necessarily with the people you would be with, but at that place, then that takes a lot of the uncertainty out of the situation. If you're going somewhere for the first time with someone and you haven't been there before, that's just going to add to your anxiety, being in a new place. So if you go there and familiarize yourself before, if you can, then that I'm not going to say it'll take half the anxiety away, but at least you'll be in a familiar place. Yeah, and what comes to mind as you're sharing that, A, is like my desire and need to control, right? Being a control freak. If you're a control freak, raise your hand. Okay, we got three hands here, three of us here, <laughs> but that's okay, right? So it's all right. We don't have to judge ourselves. We can just see it for what it is. So as we learn to let go of control, realize we're really not in control, and be willing to walk into the unknown, um, if you know what you're doing, don't do it, as Kate Bornstein says. You know, it takes a lot of courage to do that. It takes a lot of courage for A to come to this event tonight, you know, where they don't know anybody, but they came anyway. And, um, and so how has the evening been for you as a result? Well, I was a coward, and I didn't introduce myself to anybody, but that's okay. <laughs> it happens. Um, but I mean, was... how has the event been for you given... You had no idea what you were walking into. How's it been for you? I mean, I was risk. I was a little bit terrified. Um, I didn't know any of these people. I hadn't been to anything by this organization. I hadn't been to this location. So it was just a bunch of variables coming at me, and I kind of freaked out. But once I actually got in the situation and people started talking to me, and I realized, oh, everybody's not judging me. That's just my brain being a dick. <laughs> Um, I was able to calm down and enjoy myself, so that it went a lot better than planned. And I think that happens with most things that you go into with a lot of social anxiety. At least it does for me. I'm always like afraid to leave my house, afraid to go outside because my brain builds the worst case scenario. But the worst case scenario is usually really unlikely, and it just doesn't happen often. I'm not going to say that the best scenario happens all the time. Things go wrong, and that's just life. You just have to accept that. But things will usually go better than you think if you have anxiety. So that's a good point. So to the extent that we can realize that our brain is being a dick, is the more <laughs> freed up we'll be in the moment to realize that it's really not that bad. So... So where are you, Marley? What are your thoughts? Um, my thoughts on the night are that overall they went pretty well. Like, I didn't have a lot of anxiety coming here, but I kind of, on the way in, envisioned myself sitting in a corner, um, spending a lot of time not talking to people. Um, and, I mean, that did, while that did happen, I, was, uh, I tried to be okay in those moments and, and uh, take the opportunity to... Um, move over and find someone to talk to, and that's how I met uh, Andre um, for this for this uh, podcast. Um, but in those other moments, I just tried to um, be patient um, and uh, wait for the conversation to come back around, um, be more comfortable with not having to have a constant string of stim stimulation. But, um, yeah, overall, the night has been great. This week has been extremely fruitful. I have felt a real sense of community um, and, and gotten to see more of the local area um, 
uh, trans community and, and meet people that I didn't know existed um, and connect on Facebook and, and things of that nature um, and find out about more groups in the area. Um, so yeah, this night uh, and this week have been really good. That's wonderful. That's great to hear. And I'll share for myself that, you know, I had this idea about doing a podcast on healing social anxiety. And I was coming to the event tonight and I was going to interview somebody that I knew. And, um, and then, uh, and then I came and sat at this table. I didn't know anybody, right? The old walk into the lunchroom and you don't know anybody, find a seat, whatever, you know, all that. So I, I just took a seat next to some folks and, um, and then I realized, oh, wow, I'm sitting across from A, and I could interview A. I don't know them. It's okay, though, you know? And so I, so I offered and extended. And then Marley came over and started talking to us, and so I asked her as well. So it's about being in the moment, too, I feel, about trusting the moment and the willingness to trust the dangerous, honestly. You know, if we can trust the moment, and trust the dangerous, um, then we we have a, a greater sense of our own power, um, ways that we can bring ourselves back into the moment, right, is to take a breath, become aware of the breath, like as a conscious thing, like a conscious tool, right? The breath is always with us. Our breath is always with us. So if we find ourselves not in the moment, we can consciously take a breath, and that brings us back to this moment. In other words, what I'm saying is it takes us out of our head, takes it out, takes us out of us all, takes us out of all of these things that our brain is, you know, telling us, um, you know, to try to protect us. And it's just not necessary. So taking a breath, great tool. Um, extending, reaching out, trusting the dangerous, these types of things. Okay. So, um, Great. So, okay, so we're going to turn a corner here and we're going to do a little, um, a little bit of improv. Are you ready? I'm going to do improv with you, A. Are you ready? And Marley. Okay, so you're at, um, you're standing at a bus stop and it's like a regular bus stop. You're with people that you kind of, you're waiting for the bus every day together. So you kind of know them, but you don't know them, know them. And you're waiting to get on the bus and, um, what do you most want these people to know about you? Without saying a word, what do you most want these people to know about you? Uh, on the spot here, I guess I would want them to know that I'm not a very social person and I would like to be left alone. Okay. Which I think is fine in most contexts. Like, it, it's okay to want to be alone if you're not deliberately going into a situation where you're supposed to want to be with other people. Okay. Great. Um, I, too, uh, would very much rather be left alone. Um, I guess one thing would be that I despise small talk. Um, and We're all saying bingo on that. Yeah. I guess also my pronouns. But, I mean, if, if, someone, if a stranger is going to talk to me, uh, one thing that I heard said before was strangers talk about the weather. Don't talk to me about the weather. Don't make small talk with me tell me something important or valuable or have like a real conversation with me yeah <laughs> so talk to me about something real don't talk to me about 
something fake. Okay. So I'm going to play the devil's advocate here, Marley, because I'm hearing two things. One is I'm hearing you say, don't talk to me. And then the other thing is, talk to me, but don't talk to me about small talk. So I get the sense that, you know, as we all do, you have a, an authentic interest, we'll say, in intimacy with other people. And yet you desire your boundaries to be honored. Is that so? I, I would definitely say that that's true. Um... I think that it's more along the lines of in that specific situation, my default would be that I would like to spend the time left alone, but I wouldn't be opposed to a good conversation as long as it's a good conversation. Um, That's a great answer. Thank you. You know, I feel the same too. And um, I would say that we can take responsibility for that and actually cause and generate that based on how we're being, um, you know, and we could actually initiate those conversations with other people, uh, the authentic, genuine, intimate conversation that we really, you know, the real stuff that we desire. I get you on that. I totally get it. So, you know, there's a place where I feel we can take responsibility for that. And every time that we do, there a ripple goes out into the world that says, you know what, I'm not interested in small talk. This is life. This is real. This is happening right now. Let's talk about heart matters. Yeah. So that's great. Okay, so we're about to wrap up the podcast. Um, I just have one more thing that we're going to do. And before we do our last exercise, I'm just going to give out our email again. It's beyondtrans at gmail.com, B-Y-O-N-D-T-R-A-N-S at gmail.com. Without the E, keep the E for yourself because you are so very exceptional. You are so very exquisite. So beyondtrans at gmail.com without the E. Okay, so final exercise. Um, I'm going to ask A and Marley if you trust me. Okay, yes and... Go ahead. Keep it real. I, I wouldn't trust you with my life, Okay. but I trusted you enough that you weren't going to take me somewhere and, and murder me when you asked me to do this podcast, and I agreed. Okay. So I would say to a certain extent, but not unconditionally. Okay. And I want you to know I really respect that, and I thank you for your on- honesty around that. That's great. Okay, so we're going to do a... Um, we're going to do a visualization. So um, you can either close your eyes or if you don't want to, you can leave your eyes open. And I'm going to invite our listeners to participate and close your eyes. And um, where we are during this podcast, we're just sitting at a table on the second floor of some restaurant place. So just know listeners wherever you're listening. It's perfect for you. And um, Listening is very much an active participation. So here we go. So just closing your eyes if you're comfortable. Becoming aware of your breath. Becoming aware of your body and where you might be holding tension in the body. And letting go. Letting go. Okay, so just scanning the physical body. Where are you holding tension and just let go. Becoming aware of the breath. Becoming more comfortable in the moment, regardless of the surroundings, regardless of the background noises. You are comfortable. You are safe. And now, just imagine 
that coming out is a no thing anymore in your city. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, non-binary, queer. It's a no thing anymore in your city. What does it feel like for you? What does it feel like in your body? What does it feel like around your body? We're coming out as a no thing. And then visualizing your state, the state that you live in, coming out as a no thing anymore. What does that feel like for you? What are you thinking? What are the conversations are that you're having with other people? How does love feel for you right now? We're coming out as a no thing in your state. What's it like with your friends? And then visualizing the country that you live in coming out is a no thing anymore. What does it feel like? What is the social climate like? What are you doing? What are your dreams? What are your hopes? What are your desires? Coming out as a no thing in your country. Absolutely nothing around it anymore. Just is what it is. What are your thoughts about yourself? And then now just imagine the world coming out on planet Earth is a no thing anymore for anybody. What does that feel like for you? What is your family like? What are your friends like? What are the people like that you meet on the street? What's it like at work or school or... What are the movies that are being played? What's everybody doing? What's everybody talking about? And what's making the news now? We're coming out as a no thing on planet Earth anymore. And what do you feel like for yourself? And then as you're ready, gently opening your eyes and coming back to this moment, as we're anchoring the future into the present moment. Knowing you can do that at any time. Horns blowing, whatever. Any time in your life, you can always do that exercise. We're coming out as a no thing. Okay. All right. So, Marley, how was that for you? Anything you'd like to share around that experience? Um, I'd like to say that uh, I would probably wouldn't be able to begin to imagine what that would be like. Uh, to be completely honest, I, I 100% acknowledge my massive amount of privilege to have the ability to come out to live in not only a city but a country that is at least somewhat open um, and that knowledge that that is the reality for a lot of people living in other places is uh, is very uh, touches me and, and strongly in that I, I feel for the people living there but I, I feel that I guess 
that I would have to be the driver change, that I would have to try to lead the charge to make the world more open um, and more accepting. Um, but looking in at myself, if I was in that moment, I would be probably really confused, really lost, unsure, uncertain, um, at the very least unfulfilled uh, in that moment. Um, and the knowledge of of, uh, of my blessings um, like the, the really brings me uh, satisfaction and joy. Thank you for sharing that. A, how about for you? How is that experience for you? Well, I mean, for me, as a non-binary person, that, that's flipping ideal. Because in my head, that not having to come out and just everybody just being who they are and everybody being accepting of it, that sounds awesome because we wouldn't be assigning gender roles to children. We wouldn't be telling them what is and isn't allowed and ingraining shame into their heads about who they are. Um, I don't necessarily think that it's possible and I don't even necessarily think that the ideal world would have that because it's, it's my ideal, but it's not everybody's. Humans, we love our labels. Labels are fantastic. We put people in little boxes. We put things in boxes. We need labels so that we know what we can and can't eat, where we can and can't live. And by live, I mean what is adequate shelter and what is safe and what is not. And that's why we developed labels in the first place. But I think labels can be liberating because if you grow up not knowing who you are, not having a label for what you're feeling and everybody telling you that you're weird or you're odd because you don't fit into one of the shiny boxes assigned to you. And then you find that word, that label, that shiny little box that you can put yourself into. That's a very liberating feeling. So I don't necessarily think that a world without labels is possible, but I think, I don't know what I think. I guess I'm kind of ambivalent on it. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. Okay, that wraps up this episode of Beyond Trans Podcast. Thank you to all the listeners for listening. We want to share, most importantly, that wherever you are on your journey is perfect, that you are valid right now, just as you are, and that you do belong here. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here on the planet. So just know that we love you. Maybe we could say we love you on three. One, two, three. We, we love, love you. you. <laughs> and you do belong here, and you do very much matter. So if you need support, reach out and get it. Your local LGBT center. Uh, you could call uh, a therapist. You could call friends, family, get a support group, whatever you need to do to take care of you. You're not alone. You're valid, you're loved and appreciated, and you do belong here. Thank you for listening. Om Shanti.